Hello, everyone, and welcome to the May 31st edition of WorkComp Academy Weekly News. I'm Renee Folson, attorney with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started with our litigation report. The State Compensation Insurance Fund filed a subrogation claim for damages against the County of San Bernardino arising out of the death of 42-year-old Larry Daniel Kaufman, one of the 14 people killed in the mass San Bernardino terrorist shooting last December. Kaufman was a job coach at the regional center where he worked at the coffee cart and helped developmentally disabled people improve job and life skills. County Health Inspectors Syed Rizwan Farouk and his wife Tashfeen Malik stormed the Inland Regional Center last December and armed with assault rifles fatally shot 14 people and wounded 22 others. Kaufman was the only slain victim who was not a county employee. The others were Farouk's colleagues in the County Environmental Health Services Division who were attending a training seminar in a rented conference room at the center. Friday's claim was the eighth filed against the county in connection with the December 2nd attack. In January, three relatives of shooting victim Sierra Claiborne filed claims seeking more than $200 million in damages, each family member asking for $68 million. On December 22nd, Renee Wetzel of Lake Arrowhead filed four claims against the county, seeking a total of $58 million in damages. She is the widow of County Supervising Environmental Health Specialist Michael Wetzel. The county rejected all seven claims February 1st, and no lawsuits have yet been filed to date. However, the deadline to file lawsuits in these cases is six months from the date the claims were rejected, which is August 1. A Santa Clara jury awarded Aetna Insurance more than $37 million from Bay Area Surgical Management, six of its affiliated surgery centers, and three principals. Aetna had accused the surgery center of a massive conspiracy to defraud Aetna and other carriers by paying off doctors, lying to patients, and lying to carriers and employers. Aetna asserted causes of action for fraud, intentional interference with contractual relations, and unjust enrichment. The BASM defendants have announced that they will appeal the judgment. Aetna contended that BASM paid off doctors by selling them ownership interests at a price far below fair market value. Because physicians paid only a nominal price for their ownership interests, BASM was able to pay annual rates of return of several hundred percent. In return, Aetna claimed the owner physicians shifted their cases to BASM centers and especially their high-priced procedures with good insurance coverage. The BASM also reallocated ownership to reward high-producing physicians and punish those who were less profitable. The surgical management also concealed from patients how much the surgery centers were charging for procedures by not collecting the patient's copayment, or Aetna claimed telling the patient that the charge was substantially lower than the amount the surgery centers billed to Aetna. And also presented evidence that BASM's charges were significantly higher than other area facilities, both in and out of the network. The result of these practices, Aetna argued, was an insidious conspiracy to build the insurance company out of multiple millions of dollars. 
BASM had argued that it was the insurance company's responsibility to protect itself. But the jury unanimously sided with Aetna and awarded all of the damages Aetna claimed. Still pending in California State Court is a similar case by United Healthcare Services, Inc., set for trial later this year, and a case in California Federal Court by BASM against Aetna, United, and some in-network surgery centers alleging an anti-competitive conspiracy to destroy BASM's business. The company continues to run six surgical care centers from Burlingame to San Jose to Los Gatos. Court documents show the FBI and the U.S. Attorney's Office in San Jose are making inquiries in the case. Aetna has filed two similar lawsuits against physician-owned surgery centers in Texas and one in Pennsylvania. A WCAB panel decision found that a union agreement does not limit the WCAB's authority to decide a 132A claim. Alfonso Salazar worked for Leprino Foods when he sustained serious injury to his right hand and arm. The claim was accepted and benefits were provided, but a few weeks after his injury, he was terminated from employment because he had failed to tag out or lock out the machine on which he was injured. As a result, a petition for increased benefits pursuant to Labor Code Section 132A was filed. The underlying case settled by way of stipulations with requests for an award, and the 132A discrimination case proceeded to trial. The work comp judge found that applicant's termination was not based on a good faith personnel action, and it was ordered that applicant receive the supplemental benefit of $10,000 and be reinstated to his prior position. Later, the employer claimed that the Teamster Pension Trust refused to administer the additional payment because it would violate the collective bargaining agreement to pay applicant directly. The employer petitioned for reconsideration, which was denied by the WCAB panel in the decision of Salazar versus Leprino Foods. The panel said that the employer cannot now hide behind a claim of contractual breach with an unrelated third party to avoid a duty they have been court-ordered to pay for more than one year. The work comp judge had proper authority to order the defendant to pay applicant damages to be calculated by reference to his lost pension benefit. And now our crime report. The United States has intervened in a lawsuit against Prime Healthcare Services. The company's founder and chief executive officer, Dr. Prem Reddy, and 14 prime hospitals in California. The suit alleges that emergency departments at prime facilities improperly admitted patients to the hospitals and submitted false claims to Medicare. Most of these hospitals are in Southern California, including Sentinel Hospital Medical Center in Inglewood, Encino Hospital Medical Center, Sherman Oaks Hospital, and Huntington Beach Hospital. The lawsuit alleges that the CEO directed the corporate practice of pressuring Prime's emergency department physicians and hospital administrators to raise inpatient admission rates, regardless of whether it was medically necessary to admit the patients to the hospital. The company allegedly exerted immense pressure on doctors in the emergency department to admit these patients who could have been placed on observation, treated as outpatients, or discharged. The initial lawsuit was filed in 2011 in the U.S. District Court in Los Angeles by Karen Bernston. 
She serves as Director of Performance Improvement at Prime's Alvarado Hospital in San Diego. The lawsuit was filed under the key Tom provisions of the False Claims Act, which permit private parties to sue on behalf of the United States when they believe that a party has submitted false claims for government funds. And she is entitled to receive a share of any recovery. The False Claims Act permits the government to intervene in such a lawsuit as it has done in a portion of this case. Bernstein's lawsuit describes multiple instances when executives asked staff to improperly admit patients from the emergency room into the hospital instead of observing them on an outpatient basis. Bernstein recounted a January 11, 2011 meeting where the CEO allegedly told doctors that you can always find a reason to make the patient an inpatient. Bernson also alleges that unlicensed clinical documentation specialists were coached to exaggerate patient medical conditions and medical records to justify admitting them to the hospital. The DOJ filing says that since late 2013, investigators have talked to witnesses at different prime hospitals who confirmed the CEO would demand the firing of ER doctors who passed up opportunities to admit patients into the hospital. Investigators also learned that he also told physicians to find a way to admit all seniors older than 65 since they were covered by Medicare. But Prime Healthcare General Counsel said he's confident the hospital network will be exonerated. A former claims adjuster has been sentenced to four years in jail for embezzlement. 48-year-old Elizabeth Louise Brown, who lives in Canyon Country and was a former claims adjuster with Explorer Insurance, pleaded guilty to two counts of insurance fraud with a white-collar crime enhancement penalty for an elaborate scheme to defraud her employer, Explorer Insurance, out of more than $289,000. Brown was sentenced to four years in state prison and ordered to pay restitution. Brown embezzled from the company by adding friends and family members to claims which resulted in the insurer issuing fraudulent payments to her co-conspirators. The crimes were discovered when Explorer Insurance identified fraudulent checks issued in 87 of the claims assigned to her. The company terminated Brown's employment and reported the suspected crimes to the Department of Insurance which launched a criminal investigation. Law enforcement officials raided her residence in Santa Clarita as part of the investigation. Fifteen of Brown's co-conspirators were also arrested, and to date, seven have entered guilty pleas. Another four suspects remain at large and are being sought by department detectives. Ron Mix, a member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, pleaded guilty in federal court in Missouri to a tax fraud charge stemming from his post-football career as a California workers' compensation lawyer. 78-year-old Mix faces a potential sentence of three years in prison and a $250,000 fine. Mix agreed to pay nearly $50,000 in restitution to the IRS. Mix has been a successful workers' compensation lawyer since his retirement from the game. Many of his clients are former professional athletes who made claims for injuries suffered during their playing days, usually years after their careers ended. 
Mix filed about 300 such cases in the final month before the law changed in 2013, according to news reports at the time. But this federal criminal case was prosecuted in Kansas City because some of the clients referred to Mix lived in the Western District of Missouri. None of their names were released. Mix admitted he entered into an arrangement for a non-attorney to refer professional athletes to him so he could file their workers' compensation claims in California. Mix then agreed to make donations to a charity known as the Sixth Man Foundation, DBA Project Contact Africa, a federally registered tax-exempt 501c3 charity. These payments ranged anywhere from $5,000 to $25,000, and he made approximately $155,000 in total donations for client referrals. And these payments were listed as charitable contributions on his income tax returns. However, you cannot make a charitable contribution that is deductible when you get something back in return. The practice of paying a non-lawyer a fee for a referral is known as capping and is illegal in California. Mix's guilty plea will have to be reported to the California State Bar. It is not clear at this time what action the California State Bar may take as a result of this plea agreement. And in a related case, a federal grand jury returned an indictment against a former professional basketball player charging him with corruptly interfering with the internal revenue laws, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, obstruction of justice, and aggravated identity theft. It is alleged that Kermit Washington referred the professional athletes to Ron Mix, a former professional football player, and an attorney to file their workers' comp claims. In exchange for the referrals, Mix allegedly made payments to Washington's charity and claimed those amounts as charitable deductions on his personal tax return. Upon receipt of these payments, Washington diverted the funds for his own personal benefit. Officials claim the former NBA player used his celebrity status to exploit the good intentions of those who donated to a charity he founded called Project Contact Africa. Washington allegedly diverted hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations that was supposed to benefit a clinic in Africa for needy families and children to bankroll his own personal spending. Washington also allegedly conspired to defraud eBay and PayPal customers and donors of PCA by allowing the co-conspirators to use his charity's name, tax-exempt status, and IRES employee identification number. Customers who made purchases falsely believed that 100% of the proceeds from the co-conspirators' online eBay sales benefited the charity. Washington received payments from these co-conspirators in exchange. He was arrested in Los Angeles and had his initial appearance in the U.S. District Court in the Central District of California. He was ordered to surrender his passport and released on bond and must wear a location monitoring device. If convicted, Washington faces a statutory maximum sentence of three years in prison on the charge of corrupt interference with the internal revenue laws, 20 years in prison on the charge of conspiring to commit wire fraud, 20 years in prison on the charge of obstruction, and a mandatory sentence of two years in prison for the charge of aggravated identity theft, which will be in addition to any other term of imprisonment he receives. 
A Glendale doctor has agreed to plead guilty to a federal drug trafficking charge for illegally distributing hydrocodone, a powerful painkiller best known by the brand names Vicodin and Norco. 72-year-old Manessa Nawagui, a Glendale resident, operated a medical office in Boyle Heights. He agreed to plead guilty to one count of illegal distribution of hydrocodone. He will forfeit more than $97,000 in cash that he admits were the proceeds derived from his illegal prescriptions. He admitted in the plea agreement that on five occasions he wrote prescriptions for drugs to undercover law enforcement officers in exchange for $90 cash for each prescription. Subsequent to the undercover visits, a medical board expert reviewed the Cures report for Nawagui and chose several patients whose prescriptions looked suspicious. There is a pattern with all of these patients. Every single patient was prescribed the same medications each time they went to see the doctor. They were prescribed a combination of Norco or Vicodin, plus Clonopin or Valium, and Phenagrin with Codeine. For each patient, there were no referrals for imaging, physical therapy, urine drug screens, or a check of the Cures database. Under the terms of the plea agreement, Nawagui will cooperate with the Medical Board of California by surrendering his medical license. This will effectively resolve a pending action filed by the Medical Board against this doctor earlier this year. On March 8th, the medical board filed an accusation against him that alleged sexual misconduct, prescribing without an appropriate exam, and gross negligence. Under the plea agreement, Nguagui also will surrender his DEA registration, which is the federal license that all physicians must have to prescribe controlled substances. The drug distribution charge carries a maximum statutory penalty of 20 years in federal prison. This investigation was conducted by the Drug Enforcement Administration, the Medical Board of California, the Los Angeles Police Department, the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, the Torrance Police Department, and the Redondo Beach Police Department. 50-year-old Juanita Denise Schmittel, a Baldwin Park resident, was arrested on two counts of workers' compensation fraud after allegedly misrepresenting her injuries and mental health conditions suffered while working as an instructional aide for the Baldwin Park Unified School District. Her misrepresentations resulted in a claim of $33,000 in necessary treatment costs and unearned disability payments over the course of three years. Schmidl said she suffered injuries to her right wrist, left knee, and left hip after slipping and falling onto a wet floor while at work. And she said these injuries became progressively more severe, including psychological problems. The California Department of Insurance investigation revealed Schmidl's treating physician referred her to a psychologist after she claimed she was depressed from not being able to return to work. But investigators later determined she was exaggerating these injuries. Her bail is set at $30,000. If convicted, Schmidl faces up to five years in the county jail. The L.A. County District Attorney's Office is prosecuting this case. And in regulatory news, the DWC posted amended draft regulations regarding the implementation of a fee schedule for home health care services. Members of the public are invited to present written comments regarding the proposed modifications. 
California Senate Bill 863 requires the administrative director to establish a fee schedule for home health care services. Services range from skilled nursing and therapy services to unskilled personal care or domestic care services. Following the initial draft of these regulations, a public hearing was held last November for comment. Upon review of the comments received, the DWC has amended its regulations to provide better organization and clarity. In addition, the DWC has adopted rates drawn from the Federal Office of Workers' Compensation Program's fee schedule for home health care services. This provides rates of provider compensation that are higher than in the previous draft. The proposed regulations set forth a payment methodology and fees for skilled care by licensed medical professionals and unskilled personal and chore services for injured workers in the home setting. The schedule will provide incentives for an adequate number of potential care providers to participate in home health care for injured workers while containing costs to the overall workers' compensation system. The updated notice and text of the regulations can be found on the proposed regulations page. And that is all of our news and events for this week. Please check our website daily for news updates, past editions of our news, and much, much more. And remember, you can subscribe to our weekly news podcasts and our special reports using your iPhone, iPad, iPod, or your Android device by searching for the WorkComp Academy with your podcast software. Again, I'm Renee Foles, an attorney with Floyd, Scarron, and Kelly. Thanks for joining us today, and please drop by again next week for more news. Thank you.